Hello and welcome to Weekend Rental, the podcast where we discuss video games, pop culture, and all things geek. This is episode number nine. I'm Ryan, and with me we have Andy. Hello. And Justin. Hey, everyone. Fellas, what's everybody watching? What's everybody playing? Anything good? Playing uh, Overwatch, I guess. Uh, a little bit. We got the Halloween event that's going on, so it's they added uh, a couple different game modes on that with like zombie horde waves, I guess, kind of. So kind of interesting doing some some of that. Is that like does does it match up with four people again? It's like a mission type thing. Yeah, you can or either go work? in. Um, you you can either go with a full party or uh, it's got matchmaking, so you get placed in with enough to fill up a four. A group of four, so if you only have three, it'll add one random. Then it's only got, on the one mode, it's got, uh, it's like a set amount of waves, and you can only pick like one of four characters. You each get, somebody gets stuck with a shitty one, I suppose. Who are the four characters, characters, do you know? Uh, Anna is one, I think, for the support. And then that new, like, robot tank one, Osiris, is it? Oh yeah, yep, yep. And then Hanzo, I think, is one. Yeah, I don't remember the other one. Maybe Soldier or Farah. I don't know. Hanzo's an interesting choice for something like that. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, he has defense, so I suppose he's a good pick, though, for offense plays, too. So I guess he, he works all right there. But kind of strange for like Halloween-themed. Like, you'd think uh, there'd be other characters that would be more in there, but... I guess they uh, pull in random characters and they dress them like Halloween-y type stuff. And uh, they are the bosses for the waves. Oh, really? Yeah. So, nice. Um, the one I was watching, it was Reaper. When I watched one earlier, I never got to a boss when I played it on Saturday or whatever it was. I suppose there's new costumes then for everybody, too, and... Voice lines. Yep. And... Yep. There's uh, costumes, uh, emotes, or whatever. And uh, poses, maybe, I think it is. Uh, yeah. I suppose this runs up to the 31st and then they're done? Probably. I, I skipped past the message because I wasn't expecting an update. Back Do you know? I... Did they bring back, like, the old Halloween ones from the year before? Are they now purchasable again or not? You know, I didn't check that. I should have because I wanted a couple of them and I missed out. I know, I did too. Um, I think Reaper has got one that was like a pumpkin head or something. <laughs> <laughs> or a Jack Leonard head, I guess. I missed out on that one. So how many months have, have you been out of Overwatch now? And coming back to it? Uh, I don't know, probably a good three months, I suppose. Okay. Two months. Since we actually played it much. Yeah, I feel like it was almost before summer, even. Yeah, I I played like a match or two, off and on randomly. So, but nothing dedicated time wise. Yeah, well, I um, I picked up Tiny Barbarian for the Switch, which I just happened to be in Best Buy, and it, they had a physical copy of it, and I had a five dollar voucher. It's like a thirty dollar game, and it came with some extras like a pin and stuff. Um, no, a keychain, so of course like a sucker. I'm like, ooh, free crap, and I bought it. So I've been playing a little bit of that. It's it's definitely like just an indie-type game. You know, 8-bit style art, pretty simple, hack and slash. Um, 
and sort of some Super Meat Boy elements where like it's just a lot of death and trial and error. Not a bad game. Um, I think it even on the eShop or whatever they call that on the shop on the Switch, um, it's thirty bucks, which I think is a little high. I'm probably three quarters of the way through the game right now, and it hasn't been. I mean, it's been a, a good experience, but it's not like the best game ever. It's it's just a standard hack and slash game. The one thing I do like is they've got <clears throat> those little goblins like you'd see in Golden Axe that you just beat the crap out of and they drop gold <laughs> and food. Like they put that, those in this game. So that's kind of fun. Like I laugh every time I get to beat one of those guys up. Huh. But you would say it's like firmly know. in a indie game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Should and I be would in say pricing it's a little, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the whole problem in general with the switch is like, if it comes over from indie, it's almost always like 30% more than it is on any other <laughs> platform, which is kind of, yeah. If this was 20, I'd be like, okay, like even then, I think 15 would be the sweet spot for it. But I mean, it does offer two player co-op, which I haven't done yet. Um, and I mean, it's an enjoyable game. I'm, I'm liking it. It's just not an overly amazing package for $30, I guess. Huh? Well, it's pretty crazy. Like that the, the top five sellers like on the eShop right now are like all indie games, which is yeah. crazy. Not, you know. Who would have thought that Nintendo would have put out their thing and, you know, these other games that are not Nintendo games that are, are basically outselling them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's like, you know, like you said last time, it's become like a great home for indie, and that's like right up my alley these days. Like, I I have the time to play those games. They're affordable. You know, I can get through them. It's not a big time suck, so I'm all about it. That's pretty much all I'm playing on my Switch. I mean, I'll pick up Super Mario Odyssey, but, um, Yeah. And I did finish SteamWorld Dig 2, so I got through that. Yeah, that's a great and game. And then, oh, God, yeah, it's so good. I think I beat it in just under seven hours, which, you know, for a $30 game, I mean, there's some replay value to it, too. I mean, I didn't feel like that was too bad at all. I mean, once you get to the – I feel like the last couple hours of that game, like, you're you're pretty familiar with how everything's working mechanic-wise, so it, it ends when it should. But, yep. Yep. And then – PlayStation had that flash sale that might end, might have ended today. Um, so I spent like $10 on like a bunch of dirt cheap games. And I bought one of them. It's called Valley. And it was 75% off. It's like $20 normally. It was five. So I bought it in sort of like a walking simulator type game. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm 75% of the way through it after playing it last night. I'm guessing it's about a four hour game. I'm probably about two and a half to three hours in really sort of weird though. It's, I would say the best way to describe it is, um, firewatch meets Bioshock and then sprinkle in just a little bit of jumping flash. It's like a weird <laughs> mixture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of bizarre. And it's just like the most lame, like it, it's an interesting story. I, I like, I like the world. I like the story. You really have to hunt for it. I mean, there's not like a ton of, story in there like you gotta hunt for the notes and things to get like little bits of humor but it's got like the most video game ass opening to any game ever basically like you see this answering machine and this guy's leaving a message for his brother like hey i know you're going to the rockies to explore for this blah 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 thing this life seed you're looking for you know i know it's your life's work but can't you just get like some kind of normal job anyway good luck so then you start the game basically you've crashed a canoe like, you didn't tip your canoe. Like, it's crashed on a pile of rocks. <laughs> and then you look behind you, and there's this stream that's maybe 
I don't know, got enough water in it to float like a kid's toy boat down. So I have no idea how we got the canoe there anyway. And then you're stranded. And you walk 10 feet and find a box that you open up that has like this weird 50s. It's set in the modern day. This weird 50s era like army tech that instantly you just know how to use. Like it makes no sense at all. And it grants you the ability to run like at 110 miles per hour, jump insane distances, and then also control life and death with the palm of your hand. Like you can walk up to the animal carcasses and like revive them or trees like the same. It's like <laughs> just such a loose premise to like get you into the game. I mean, it's, it's pretty laughable, but once you get past the, the absurdity of that, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty funny. I need, I need to like at least watch some videos about that. That's, that sounds yeah. great. I know I was looking at some reviews after I started playing it because I kind of got into it. Like, I mean, it's definitely not, I wouldn't put it in like Firewatch caliber of greatness, but I, I mean, it's it's good for what it is. But IGN kind of blasted it and gave it like a five out of 10, which I don't think is fair. I think there's enough there to make it interesting. And it starts off, you know, all nice and like lighthearted and it gets more progressively dark as you realize like all this tech you're working with is, you know, related to um, ending you know, like a weapon of mass destruction to end world war two, essentially. And huh. I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't gotten to the end, but I see where it's going like pretty quickly, pretty quickly. Um, it's worth five bucks I, at 20. I'd say that's a tough sale, but I, I'm enjoying it. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be done with it in like another hour. I'm sure it's cool. Huh? Yeah. looks like it's on sale on steam. So. Oh yeah. I'm sure that's a dirt cheap uh, PC game. PlayStation. Yeah. It's like five bucks. So. Yeah. I'm sure it's still on sale probably for PlayStation. Yeah. I think it was through the 18th or 19th. So yeah, probably a little bit of time. It's that's, it's worth that. That's that funny. Much. Like when you, when you said walking simulator, I have something in my mind of like, you just kind of walking around picking up like audio logs and that's, you know, it's pretty much all it is, but then you're like, yeah, running. It's around kind of like that. that with like leaping giant, like chasms <laughs> and like just the loosest framework of like a sci-fi military plot that you've ever seen. I don't know, man. Huh. It's out there. Yeah. Random achievements pop up. You've walked 10 miles. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. That's yeah. I haven't even heard of that game. No, I hadn't either, but I watched like the little trailer thing that, you know, they always have in the PlayStation store. And yeah. it's like, you know, for $5, I'll, I'll give it a go. Yeah. Well, I've been playing my Switch still quite a bit. And Shocking. Yeah. Uh, I finished up Golf Story, which is a great game. Uh, probably How many hours was it? I think maybe 14, something like that. Okay. So it's definitely, you know, on the shorter side of an RPG, at least, <laughs> which I appreciate. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but I moved over to Picross S, I think is the name of this one. Um there is one company that works with Nintendo, and they just put Picross games out since who knows when, as long as I can remember. Um, and if you don't know, Picross is like a Sudoku kind of game. It's a 10 by 10 grid, uh, sometimes bigger, but uh, they'll have numbers on the side. Say So if it's 10 by 10 and one of the numbers on the side is 10, you have to fill in every, every uh, part of that grid on that row. And, you know, there, there'll be some that are like eight and one and you have to split them up a little bit. And eventually you do a lot of logic puzzles until you figure it out, fill in the whole map and it 
makes a picture that you can't even guess what the item is until it tells you what it is because <laughs> it's only 10 pixels by 10 pixels. <laughs> um, but so it's very detailed, right? Yeah. <laughs> High definition. <laughs> um, but I, I do like Picross quite a bit. So I picked this up. It's not as good as the 3d ones. They made a couple of those, which is like an actual, like, a 3d block that you're chipping away at kind of the same premise. And it turns into an actual 3d item where this is just like a two by two, you know, two dimensional picture, which is not as good, but I don't know. You could make Picross for forever and I'll probably pick it up every three months or something like that. And then get, what does that run for? I think it's 15 or maybe it's 10. Yeah. I'm not sure it's 15 or 10. So it's not huge, but there's, I mean, if, if you don't like Picross, like that's the only thing in the game, you know. Right. Yeah. It's not as good yeah, as Mario. I can't say that I've ever played a Picross game. Yeah. Yeah. Mario's Picross. That was Game Boy. Right. Yep. Yep. Um. Other than that, uh, I've been playing a little bit of uh, a real life game, in my hands type of game, um, Drop Mix, which is. Technically, the Switch would fall into that. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Got me on a technicality, I guess. Yeah, so Drop Mix is uh, a game by uh, Harmonix and Hasbro. They do a team-up, and they, it's basically just a board game that has Bluetooth functionality to uh, an iPad app. And what you do is uh, hook up the iPad to this little this little board that has sensors on it, and it comes with a bunch of packs of cards which uh, have RFID uh, chips inside the card. And they're all different tracks of from different musical songs, which so you take a uh, vocals from one, one song and put it on there, starts playing on the iPad and then take a drum section from a different song and put it on there. And it, it uh, mix it, mixes it all together. So it makes uh, some pretty cool beats it's crazy how it does it, actually. I'm actually really amazed how they can take all these different things and, like, up the beats per minute and, you know, change the keys to make it a, a pretty decent song in the end. Um, there, there's an actual game to it, and, like, you can buy, like, booster packs and all that, so I think that's their business model. But so far, I'm having, I'm, I, I haven't even played the actual game of it. I've just been playing around, you know, kind of, like, throwing cards on their scene what kind of songs come out of it. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. I can see that take off pretty good. Like that actually sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> the only thing I don't like about that is like the whole like reliance on an app that at some point probably won't function on, you know, whatever iOS comes out of, you know, in a few years. Yeah, that's, that's certainly possible, but yeah, still cool though. Yeah. Uh, the, the one kicker with this is that, Retail price is $100 on it, so... Seriously? Yeah, it's a really expensive... Uh, Jeez, uh, man, Andy, game. I had no idea you had drop mix money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can be friends anymore. Actually, <laughs> I, I got a deal from uh, uh, somebody on Twitter that posted that, hey, check out Barnes & Noble, it's $30 off, so that's where I picked oh. it up. I'm uh, all of a sudden a Barnes & Noble uh, customer now. It took drop mix to become. Well, at least one. you steered clear of the books, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> I only go in there on occasion to look at vinyl records. So oh, sure. Much better. Yep. Yeah. But I don't know. I might end up getting some of the packs too as well. I'm more of a, like a rock guy and there's a lot of pop and like electronic music probably because it's easier to mix that stuff, but yeah, that sounds awesome actually. Yeah. Yeah. You have to bring that to MGC. Yeah. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah. Anything else anyone's playing or watching? No, I mean, it's not on the list for the outline of the show, but now that, uh, Justin, you've seen the newest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shell. What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's all right. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, I guess, on purpose. <laughs> but it it was decent. I, I think it was by far better than the third of the original yeah. movies. But it falls kind of in between what my memory of the first two and the third one. I would say it's would go the one, one or two. I don't know the order, I guess, offhand. But one of those two would be first, second. And then this one. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's about it. However you want to take that, I guess. <laughs> well, that's a good cross-section then for the podcast. Andy really likes it. You're just kind of mad on it, and I hate it. So it's <laughs> good. We got, we got it all covered. <laughs> it's not the worst show. I've no, ever it had, isn't. But I do, it isn't that bad. I do recommend to anybody that's listening to watch Rubber. It's a great movie. Oh, God. You're promoting this again? I bet every six <laughs> months you tell me how that's the greatest movie ever made. Well, it is. About a tire. I like that you <laughs> fall asleep through every TV show movie you watch. It you've seen Rubber like twelve times. That makes no sense to me. It's such a good show. Is it like a killer tire? Is that what it is? Yeah, it is. Yeah, telekinetic powers. It's pretty amazing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. <laughs> All right, now it's time for Buy, Rent, Burn. This is the recurring segment of the podcast where we each pick a game, bring it to the table, and individually we play them and decide which of those games we would personally buy, rent, or burn. Uh, this week, Andy has selected Master of Darkness for the Sega Master System. This came out in 1992. Justin has gone with Friday the 13th for the NES. This came out in 1989. And I've selected Monster Party for the NES, also from 19, or 1989. Um, so yeah, as you can see, this is kind of a Halloween-focused or horror-focused um, entry into Buy, Rent, Burn, given we're approaching uh, Halloween right around the corner here. Uh, Andy, why don't you go ahead and tell us about Master of Darkness? Yeah, so Master of Darkness is... Uh, I'm kind of cheating here a little bit because it did not come to America on the Master System. Um, I think it came to Game Gear, which is basically the same thing. Uh, but as you can tell, 1992, uh, they were pretty much done putting any uh, type of Master System game out in America at that point. Uh, so it, it was pretty much a European only. Uh, but just for ease of use and ease of play, I picked the Master System version here. Um, but there's not a whole lot more to say other than it is taking... Castlevania and maybe putting more of a British twist on it. Um, there's a lot more of like London atmosphere in that game, kind of uh, werewolves and stuff like that. Uh, but it is straight up 100% uh, 
a ripoff of NES Castlevania. There's, <laughs> they they looked at Castlevania and said, "Yep, we're copying that 100 because oh yeah, it's to a T. Yeah, that's maybe why they didn't come it's out a, over here too. <laughs> there might have been a legal issue. Like when you play a little bit, like you Im- immediately get that vibe of like, oh yeah, early Castlevania. Like they totally were trying to rip this off. But then I didn't get until I'd played it for maybe half an hour that those masks, like those little phantom of the opera face things. Like I was trying to avoid. Oh yeah. Them, those are the candlesticks. To me. Yeah. And then, yeah, they're the candlesticks and like you hit him and crap falls down. I was like, Holy crap. Like they got everything. <laughs> the only thing they did was like added guns and canoes and like it's Castlevania. <laughs> well, technically Castlevania has that one boat. Castlevania two, right? Has oh, that that's one true. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, like, it looks visually awesome, though. Like, I mean, I forgot that I was playing a Master System game. Thought it was like an early Genesis game. Oh yeah. Um, until I just kind of was like, oh yeah, that's, that's right. This isn't Genesis at all. Right. Yeah. It took me a while to figure out how to uh, shoot your actual weapon. You're 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 like a yeah. main weapon, but once it, it's a uh, up and and uh, attack, right? I didn't even know you could do yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. I just I did it on accident because I was trying to climb a stairs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, even the it even has Castlevania stairs. Like, I don't know many other games that have those type of stairs that you have to like walk diagonally up and down. But this has. And they it. even got like the stairs being a pain in the ass. Perfect. Like they copied yep. that <laughs> formula right out of Castlevania. Like, well, I'm just gonna waddle back and forth five times here to see if I can go yep. down because that's what's gonna have to yeah, happen. And if you get hit, you fall off. I enjoyed. Yeah, the back hit. Yep, I fell into the the moat or whatever the hell it the is. The random crouching when you're trying to go down to yeah awkward crouching i do like that it's got like uh you know it's not like a maze type game where you're progressing like it's got shorter levels <clears throat> so it's nice that like you get through a section and you're done and on to the next thing that was kind of a nice change from the castlevania formula yep, yep that's true it, yeah it does have like three acts per stage or whatever something like that yeah I, di- I didn't get it all the way through it but i think i got at least halfway i would say yeah it's a, it's a totally acceptable Castlevania ripoff. I mean, really, I thought it was just fine. I was kind of it was kind of enjoyable just to see like how much they like stuck to that actual formula of Castlevania and just put it out as their own thing. You know, even it's based on vampires. Justin, how about Friday the Thirteenth? All right. Well, I guess I played this game a couple times as a kid and I never really understood it. Kind of a, you know solving, try to figure out how to get Jason to show up game. Um, now, I actually, I thought it was an alright game. Um, the puzzling, like the map, I still didn't understand when I first started playing it. And then, after playing it a little bit, this is actually a decent game. Um, I got to where I fought Jason and got killed a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized it was kind of like a uh, I don't know, I guess attack, like, punch-out, maybe? Yeah. Because he's just, like, yeah. hopping around. It's a crappier version of yeah. punch-out. That's, that's about right. Yeah. Um, but, actually, I got further than I ever have, so, you know, I felt accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what would yeah. you describe that game as? More, is it an adventure game? I don't even know how to classify this one. Like, it, I suppose it would be adventure. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Adventure, side-scrolling adventure. I don't know. It's weird. Right. I will say, like, it has to be the most commercially successful, at least on the NES LJN game. 
that was out there. I mean, <clears throat> almost everyone I knew that had an NES growing up had this game just because of the popularity of, you know, the Friday the 13th series. Um, and I actually have like a ton of nostalgia for it because of that. Not that I particularly enjoyed the game or ever progressed anywhere as a kid, but I don't know. It's okay to pop in and waste some time, especially now, like as an adult understanding how it's supposed to work and the progression of it. Um, I, I mean, I don't have the patience to sit down and do that and complete the game, but it makes a lot more sense to me now than it ever did. Not that it's still a great game, but it's all right. Right. I mean, yeah, it's in, it's incredibly depth uh, or deep for like how much is going on in that game for like what you need to do and where you need to go. And yeah, I can't even imagine being a younger kid trying to figure that out. I, I, I never did play this game when I was younger, but. Yeah, I played this at my babysitter's, like my daycare. Uh, the, the Her older daughter, she was probably a teenager, would like play this and let me play with her when I was like five <laughs> or six. <laughs> but I mean, I will say like the biggest problem it has is that overworld map. And then just the fact that like, first thing, like objective number one is light every um, fire in each building cabin. And like, it doesn't even mark your progress. So it's like, I don't know which ones I've actually lit. So that's, I don't know. I mean, that's frustrating. Like a simple fix that could have made the game a lot easier to understand. That's kind of the point though, too. Like, isn't that I've never really paid attention to the whole Jason type stuff, but you're supposed to be just lost and confused, aren't you? <laughs> well, so you have to light all the fireplace things right. while like keeping counselors and kids alive, and then you have to progress. There's like a path through the woods to get to like his mother's body, and you have to fight her and get. I don't know. I mean, there's yeah, there's a lot to it that. It's so cryptic in the way the game presents it. It's almost mind blowing that anyone figured it out even back then. Yep. Yeah, there's quite a bit to it. It captures this spooky vibe. This oh, for sure. And it's just like really interesting because there's not many games other like that, you know. And then to be that early on in '89, that's it's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, and Monster Party, my pick. Um, I absolutely love this game. Uh, my cousins had it, my older cousins, when I was growing up, so we played it all the time. Um, you know, it's it's just kind of a crazy game. They cashed in on, like, every spooky horror-related thing they could. Um, the story and, like, the sense of humor in the game, I think, is kind of hilarious. I mean, you're a kid walking home from a baseball game, and a magical, interdimensional monster falls out of the sky, and his name is Bert. And he's like, hey, you've got a baseball bat come fight evil where I live and that's the game. And then, you know, you're introduced to just some of like the weirdest level design. I think you'll see in like early NES days. I mean, you're fighting like asses hanging out of the ground with like feet kicking within like the first 30 seconds of the game. Um, you know, you fight, you know, classic horror themed enemies on that all like just stupid quirky one-liners. Um, and then, you know, kind of the premise is, I don't know how many worlds there are. I think there's eight. We did beat this when I was a kid. I didn't quite beat it for this playthrough. I got close. Um, basically, like, you have to progress through the level. It's a side-scrolling beat em up action-type game, I guess. I mean, you're mostly just whacking things with a bat. Um, and then you can transform into, like, this weird combo, like, monster kid thing that flies around and shoots. Um, 
Well, basically, you have to like explore each level until you find the key. And then once you've got the key, you can progress to the end of the level, and then you can progress to the next stage. Um, so it's kind of weird until you figure that out, that like you realize you have to kind of be careful and play the game slow so you can get through these bosses to hopefully get the key, or sometimes you just randomly get it in a room. Um, I don't know. It, it creeped me out as a kid, and it's still kind of like a unsettling game now. Like If you think about what Nintendo of America allowed on the NES, like it's pretty out there. Yeah, it's it's definitely got some creep factor to it, but at the same time, it's got just as much like quirky stuff in it too. It's really really weird. I mean, probably the scariest boss in that whole game is the deep fried food. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. The uh, you fight the shrimp and then the calamari ring and then the tofu, <laughs> I believe. Yeah. My personal favorite boss was the one on World Five. Where you just go into a room and it's like watch oh, yeah. me dance and you watch two I zombies dance that out and then you win for a long time. <laughs> I know I beat the shit out of him for like ten minutes straight and I was like, why am I not winning? And then I just stopped and enjoyed it. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, like, and it it has a lot of the bosses. The mechanic usually is kind of like a the old Ocarina of Time where you know they shoot a projectile at you and you have to hit it back at them with a bat, with your bat. And that's how, you know, mainly you, you're supposed to kill them. Uh, but a lot of them, you can kind of cheese them by just yeah. jump, getting up in their face and whacking them with a bat too. <laughs> yeah, it's very satisfying. <laughs> I do like too, how the second door in the first level is just a dead tarantula with like flies flying over it. And the caption is I'm dead. <laughs> and then it gives you like a power. Yeah, doesn't up. he say like, sorry, I'm you dead or flying. something like that. Yeah. Sorry. I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I are the empty rooms nothing ever changes right they're just always empty yeah i think they're just always empty i think on occasion like because i don't think the key like unlock is always static like i think there's certain levels where it can change um so i think there might be certain cases where a once empty room would potentially give you the key to a level but i don't know exactly okay, how that works true. i know in the early stages they're all it's just the same yeah. Yeah, I I enjoy it quite a bit. <laughs> Just from like especially how it starts out where it it's a little weird but it's like happy and then halfway through the stage it just like turns into like horror. Yeah, the cactus just goes yeah. like super evil. Yeah. All right. So we've we've heard a little bit about all the games. Um now it's time to decide which ones we would personally buy, rent or burn for this um spooktacular edition of Buy Rent and Burn. Uh Andy what uh what are your thoughts here? this one's really hard <laughs> like i'm still sitting here thinking what i want for my top one um i i think i like them all quite a bit uh but for me i'm probably going to play master of darkness a little bit more just because it is that much of just like a classic castlevania that you've never played so <laughs> it's it's kind of fun exploring that type of world all over again without replaying the same thing over and over again. Um, for my rent is going to be Monster Party, uh, just because, like we were talking, just the weird quirkiness to that game, is it, it just drives you to want to keep doing that. If they didn't have some of those weird bosses in there, I don't know if I would keep continue playing, because I, I, I just want to keep going to see what else is weird in that game, and it just keeps going. Um, and my burn is uh 
Friday the 13th. And it's not necessarily a burn. It's just like, uh, I, I don't have the patience to, to actually do the game how it's supposed to. Um, but I respect it enormously for what it was trying to pull off <laughs> on the NES. And I think it did a good job for the most part without really having a guide or, you know, like an influence that they were basing that design off of before. So, uh, yeah, all good games though. Justin, how about you? Let's see. Um, well, it's kind of funny. Side note, um, Friday the 13th, I believe is listed as one of the worst games of all times by some of the critics, which is kind of, kind of strange because I thought it was actually a decent game. <laughs> yeah, it's um, LJN, so it gets blasted. Right? <laughs> um, I guess this, this is, this is a tough one. Like Andy said, um, I think I'm gonna have to go with Master of Darkness just because it felt like it played the best. Um, and it, it was actually a pretty fun game. I, I like the different power-ups. The the boomerang, I think, was actually my favorite. But <laughs> um, I'm going to go with that for my buy. Uh, my rent would be Friday the 13th, just because I want that one I would want to actually try to get through. Um, my burn is going to be Monster Party. Um, it, it's an interesting game. I, I actually kind of like this one, too. It's tough to pick between them all, but I think that would have to be my burn. Um, it's just an entertaining game, though. I feel like I'm just going to like change the names of who picked <laughs> these games, and then my, then my games are going to start going up <laughs> higher magically on your Byron and Burn list. But that's okay. On mine? Yeah, you, you <laughs> son of a bitch. It doesn't matter. I could pick the, I could pick the greatest <laughs> goddamn game in the world, and you'd torch it because I picked it. <laughs> All right, we're doing this. So my, my buy, I'm going to go with Monster Party. Um, a lot of that's nostalgia, um, but also I just genuinely really like the game. Um, <clears throat> I think it's really interesting. I don't think there's a single game like it uh, on the NES or really anything since that I've played like that. Um, you know, the humor, the weirdness, it, it's just a solid package. Um and for that reason, and just the uniqueness of it, I'll go with that. Um, I would rent Master of Darkness. I thought it was really solid, um, but actually really impressive uh, when you consider it's a Master System game, like visually and control-wise, very tight, um, solid package. It's just, if I'm going to play a Castlevania game, I'm going to play a Castlevania game. Um, so it's a nice imitation, and certainly if I was a Master System owner at the time and could get my hands on it, I'd be really impressed with it. Um, it, but I would I would rent that one, and then I'm gonna burn uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Um, again, not that I think it's an awful game. I actually do have like a lot of nostalgia for it and enjoy playing it. But it's just I'm never gonna. It's just too obtuse. I'm never gonna finish the game the way it was intended. You know, I don't think it it's fair to assume that a player could pick it up and do that anyway without cheating and looking at some guide online. Um, so for that reason, I mean, it's just kind of a mess outside of you know the overall presentation which i think is spot on but um yeah that'd be my that'd be my burn you would not believe how many times i went back and forth <laughs> between our games just so you know <laughs> well i just know which one you burn you son of a bitch <laughs> had to be done no that's insane <laughs> who burns monster party over one of the worst <laughs> games of all time <laughs> you're ridiculous you burn in biohazard battle. You fuck. <laughs> I could hand you the best game on a fucking silver platter and you'd torch it. 
<laughs> Maybe. Depends uh, on what the other games are. It's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, well, at least we all had like a different answer for a change because we've been like strangely like lining up on a lot of these. So it's nice that we were all kind of all over the place. And again, none of these, even though, I mean, Friday the 13th, obviously is considered a bad game. Like, I, I don't know. Again, like a lot of nostalgia there and like, I I don't think any of these games are bad. I think they're all pretty enjoyable in their own right. So it was a good week, and it was cool to have like a bunch of spooky themed games for Halloween lined up. Yep. I do think Monster Party would have more replayability, I guess, than Friday the Thirteenth by far. I, I yeah, probably even more That's than Master of Darkness too, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the weird thing with Monster Party though is like the the upfront difficulty that it throws at you in levels one and two is like so that pumpkin guy is bad because after you get through those two levels yes he sucks but like once you get through those two first two levels like especially if you're not like always into playing like retro games that are kind of punishing anyway um it it kind of levels out really once you hit level three and on so it's, it's weird that they made it so difficult up front but i don't know it's also one of those games where it's unlimited continues so it's got that going for it i guess right Cool. Well, successfully completed another Byron Burn. That was a fun one, actually. I'm glad. Yeah. We, I'm glad we did those. Okay, on to news. And uh, first up, we got here is something interesting that <laughs> is kind of really crazy, um, and I'm not sure the all the details on how this happened, but the Sony Sony Music Division is now going to be publishing games on Nintendo Switch, PC, who knows what else. Um, the alarming thing here is that it's coming from the music side, which I don't know if that's a completely different division than the gaming side or not, because that could be like the left hand doing something different than the right hand even knows, you know? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, because... Sony's been like a weird spot for a long time now where like really the PlayStation division was the only branch that like was successful. Like Sony has not been doing well. So to see Sony music kind of trying something different, because obviously music in that space has changed drastically in the last 10 years, kind of just out of nowhere. It's interesting. Yeah. And I guess, how do you go from, you know, Sony is notorious right now about not allowing crossplay between yeah. uh, <laughs> Xbox and and, and Switch, Switch and, yeah. and then they're like, oh, but we'll publish games to them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you want us to all play Rocket League together? Go to hell! But hey, can yeah. I put this game out for your Switch? Please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody at Sony Music didn't get the memo on that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The first thing I thought of right away is that Oh, maybe Limited Run will have a in now on making Switch games, but we'll see if that ever happens. Yeah. Well, okay, so I'm going to go a little off topic while we're talking about this because I came up, but did anyone notice that I retweeted it? Um, Limited Run Games is like, we're going to give away the Switch as a teaser for like an upcoming announcement. So I think um, Limited Run will be on Switch. I think that's going to be announced shortly. Really? Yeah, that that's going to go kind of crazy, I think. They better up their amounts because uh, if they're selling out 4,000 copies of a Vita game, 
uh, <laughs> they better at least double that for Switch. Exactly. It seems like the logical move. After you, after you retweeted it, I seen it and had to do that retweeted as well. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, I have a chance to win. Why not? <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's just really crazy to me that <laughs> that Sony being the way they are on the gaming side, it seems like to have that happen <laughs> from a different division. <laughs> really yeah. strange. Well, and they've been making some interesting decisions, like Sony Music in general. I mean, just I know they're bringing back vinyl um, is coming back from Sony Music, so I don't know. It's like they're trying to <clears throat> almost keep current with with what's happening instead of like reacting too late now. Like, I mean, it makes sense for them to get in and it sounds like this publishing, like what they'll be doing through Sony music is going to be indie focused, which is kind of, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a popular cross section of, of gaming, like mainstream gaming anymore. I mean, so this could be a smart move for them. Right. For sure. I mean, especially like you are, everybody with a switch is starved for games. I mean, if Tiny Barbarian came out on Xbox, like that's you wouldn't purchase that most likely, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, really. I think you could put um, Flappy Bird on the Switch right now, and it would sell a million copies. <laughs> like yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what comes of it. I guess. I mean, I think they announced like one, like uh, upcoming game with a proto or like an early like uh, not final name yeah i can't even remember i I read the article but um yeah it'll be be interesting to see how much they put out and um how successful that is yeah um so analog which is a company that specializes in high-end boutique retro consoles if there ever was a market for that Apparently there is because they're making even more. Um, they're following Nintendo's lead with the Super Nintendo Classic and making their own little box, uh, the Super NT. They're going to call it a uh, little bit different than Nintendo's approach. Uh, they're starting at one hundred and ninety dollars out of the gate instead of that being the scalper price. So <laughs> it's a yeah interesting move because like you were saying earlier that this is you know it it doesn't scream high end like the original analog nt did you know yeah yeah i mean that was like their whole business has been like the niche boutique like several hundred dollar you know nes they carved out of a single block of aluminum had four controller ports built in was compatible with a famicom disc system offered you know every possible audio video output you could get um whereas this is just more of a it's almost like a it's a higher end super nintendo system but it it fits more with that mainstream market and it's definitely trying to capitalize um on the buzz of i i feel like capitalizing the buzz of the snes classic but yeah i mean they're i mean they're kind of changing up their whole model it's it's under 200 bucks it's going to be made from molded plastic. It's only going to offer HDMI out. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how this lands for them. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of purists who probably aren't going to be happy with the with the lack of options um, on some of their audio and video setups. But I think for the general masses, 
um, who just want a really, really good Super Nintendo um, that's, you know, easy to set up with modern televisions, this is probably going to be the way to go. And they are claiming 100% compatibility um, with with the library, all the, you know, FX games. So if they pull that off, that that's huge. Sure. Do you know, is it emulation that they're doing? I know, like, the original um, NT was actual NES hardware in there. Right. I know that that was the case of the original. I know the NT, or the Analog Mini... Um, was emulation. I believe this is going to be too. Um, from the little bit I read, I think they mentioned something about like the different emulation options, which is something that was kind of an added bonus to the NT Mini, was that you could load ROMs for different systems. Sure. Um, so that's my understanding, is it won't be original hardware. They'll be they'll be emulating. Yeah, very interesting. Like, I I don't know if this will ever hit mainstream, like, you know, but the, the Super Nintendo Classic, but I don't know. It at least puts it into play a little bit more than a $700 version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like it connects more with like the current retro market, like the, just the general culture there of, you know, your average collector, like mid range to average collector. Um, whereas their previous entries have been just like, you were also the type of person who was going to like get the frame Meister and like spend like eight hours dicking around with your SCART cable to make sure that you, had like the absolute most pure signal you could get from your, you know, boutique NES. And I feel like this is more in line with what um, Retro USB did with the AVS, which is the kind of the higher end or one of the, you know, top tier um, clone NES systems. Yeah. I, I think that that has done well from what I've heard. Um, and I think this will connect with a lot of those same people. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, up next we have Activision filed a patent and actually was awarded it to drive microtransactions in, uh, matchmaking and online multiplayer games, uh, basically to make your performance seem like you're worse than the next guy just to make you you know, have that drive to buy better stuff to be on the same level as what you think your competition is. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. And then to alternatively reward you on your microtransaction purchase to put you in a lobby that would give you, um, better odds to be successful with that purchase, um, to like overinflate your ego and sense of satisfaction with your microtransaction. So, I mean, this is all conceptual, um, Activision has not. I mean, they they were just awarded the patent. It was submitted in 2015. Um, they've stated it hasn't gotten into any games, um, but it's still sort of a disgusting <laughs> premise, you know, to, to a current gaming culture who's already like fed up with microtransactions and loot boxes. Um, I don't know. Even if it never comes to be, it's just one of those things that just makes me want to like kind of puke. Or at least throw up in my mouth a little. That they even got to the point where that they thought that that might be a avenue to make money, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's... It is pretty gross, for sure. Fucking Activision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, especially when you think about now that like they're tether- tethered to, you know, Blizzard and, like... I don't know, it's like... Blizzard is probably one of the most respected... 
names in the industry and to like think that their offerings in the future could have something like this in place is just kind of gross. Right. But I mean, I guess it's to be expected, right? I mean, apparently the, the microtransaction model has been wildly successful. Um, for the, like these AAA developers, and if they can figure out a way to play the odds in your favor, I mean, I guess it's no different than casinos, you know, rigging payouts and things on slot machines. But it's just still kind of a disgusting, a disgusting thought, I guess. I mean, they kind of put out a statement the past couple of weeks. I mean, the the story was going around like. Uh, our loot box, loot box is actually gambling, you know, are they, should they legally be like held to some sort of regulation because of, you know, the randomness of it and you mm-hmm. know the potential to, I mean, like the shadow of Mordor or, uh, I think, or is it shadow of war? The, the recent, uh, Lord of the Rings game. Uh, ties directly to how you know weapons and stuff like that you know how you perform in that game so it 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 does get a little bit gross that way at least you know when the loot boxes got popular you know you think of overwatch that's all cosmetic stuff where it doesn't really change the game but if if you have somebody that is has that uh drive to get better quickly and doesn't really want to wait or, you know, is just kind of vulnerable to that, that I don't know. It, it, it's kind of gross because it, it picks on them a little bit. Yeah. There's definitely some addiction things that come into play there for the right personality. Yeah. That's what the performance boosting too. Like, um, what is it? Advanced horseshit or whatever it was. Call of Duty. Um, or I guess it was warfare. <laughs> Advanced warshit. Um, that one, like you, you could actually do the loot boxes and get uh, better guns than the default guns, like better accuracy, better range and stuff. Like doing it that way is kind of bullshit because I'm not going to spend hundreds of dollars to get that gun where for a random chance, like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. The whole thing is just, it's stupid and it shouldn't be in a game. <laughs> right. Well, I just think like anytime you've got like a multiplayer online game and the bottom line comes down to the money I paid on top of what I paid to purchase the game results in me having an edge over any player. I think that's bullshit. Like just straight out bullshit. Right. And on top of that, they usually don't even give you odds of, you know, if you want the legendary thing in there, they don't really give you odds on what your chance of actually getting that out of a box, right? You know? Right. Right. They should offer you, like, some sort of... I don't know. I I like how Overwatch does it. I don't like loot boxes. But if you're going to do it, do it like Overwatch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where you get coins. And you can go in and buy what you want then, once you've gotten enough coins. Yep. Right. Yep. Because then that way, you're not screwed over completely. Well, and again, you know, at the end of the day, like Overwatch does it right, where like it's kind of annoying that there's loot boxes in there, but nothing that I get out of a loot box impacts how well my character performs in the game. Exactly. Like, beyond beyond my own skill, and that's the way it should be. Yep, exactly. 
hopefully, you know, something with, uh, with a uh, shadow of war here that that is reflected in the sales, right? Because if it isn't and it ends up working, it's going to be a hell of another decade here. I think shadow of war do that or what? Yeah. There's, there's some sort yeah, of loot boxes in there that, that basically give you better stuff. Well, that's kind of been the controversy with that all along is like, what place does a loot box have in a, single player like narrative driven game like it's already weird you know yep. in that in that way yeah yeah and speaking of <laughs> this next story kind of fits right into that because EA is shutting down Visceral who was working on a Star Wars single player game and basically what they said is we're shutting them down we're moving this project to a more online games as a service which leads me to believe that they're gonna be filling it full of loot boxes as well (laughs) uh that seems like their thing now you know that's it's it's all the big publishers they're they're definitely heading that way where hey it's an online connected game much like destiny and uh yeah you're gonna be paying for some loot boxes or some you know some extra stuff as well um, but it is disappointing. I mean, Visceral's been around for a long time. They're well known for, you know, series like Dead Space. And for them to just kind of get shut down by EA is nothing new by EA. I mean, they've shut down even massively bigger companies than that with a lot greater legacies. But, uh, yeah, it's just disappointing that the the big single-player games are just kind of dying out in favor of... Uh, <laughs> of these online games that for me just don't have as much substance. I mean, I, they have a lot of substance. The experience is just as a little bit lacking compared to what I like out of single player games. Yeah. There's definitely a, a huge market shift. Um, in regards to like triple A games, you don't really get, you know, a solitary like narrative driven experience anymore not with the regularity that we used to i mean everything's got to have multiplayer if it doesn't have multiplayer it's almost like these studios don't think it's worth putting out especially ea i'll give credit to sony because they're they're still seems like they're sticking to their guns on single player story driven games yeah but at the end of the day it also seems like when you look at the sales figures it's the third party multiplayer online focus games that have like the the standout sales oh yeah for sure you know which is kind of mind-boggling yeah i mean if you think back where we were 10 years ago yeah i mean when you think of games like uncharted where i mean you put them in the top tier as everything else but realistically if you look at the lifetime sales of an uncharted game compared to a lot of third parties in the same year it's it's not as high for sure yeah, then you get like your Grand Theft Auto fives that, because they have the online component, just continue to sell. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's it's disappointing. I I guess <laughs> they they did show that uh, Star Wars game at E three last year, maybe. Uh, it was not so long ago, and you know they were just talking about how they were still working on it, but it's been in development for quite a few years too. So it. 
Could have been a mess. Yeah, it had to have been. Um, I think Star Wars is a little uh, cursed now because uh, when this last generation just came out, the big game that was supposed to be coming to it that looked incredible was Star Wars 1313. Uh, another single-player Star Wars game that was shit-canned. And <laughs> so the second attempt at this, like, I don't know if you could pitch Disney or any other company to be like, hey, we want to make a single-player Star Wars game because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where, they, where both of these companies tripped up and couldn't make it go out the door. What they should have done was given a Star Wars Bombad Racing 3. That would have been a yes. moneymaker that had never shut down. He had to turn that out. Added loot boxes. You're telling me there was a two? I don't... Yeah, there was like a... There was... I think there was a second one. I could be wrong. I think there were two. Wow. Maybe not. Maybe I'm crazy. The fact that there was ever one is enough. I still think even if there isn't one, you just go right to three. Yeah, of course. Three is better than two. I also have a brilliant idea in this conversation. Like, guys, I think we need to quit our day jobs and start a startup where we specifically are just a loot box driven entity. Like, we will go to the EAs and the Sonys of the world and we will build like the best goddamn loot box system for their games ever. Like, the most exciting music, the most flashy little animation screen. The coolest shit exploding into the air and like trickling down into your face. Yeah, like, I love it. Yeah, but I can't believe nobody's done it yet. The only noise is boop, <laughs> or just a really wet <laughs> fart if it's like something shitty. Yeah, really bad. Like <laughs> plus confetti. You have to have confetti in there too. I'm. Re- I, I'm. This isn't a. Re- that this is the first thing that came to mind. But I'm thinking we name it. We name it box rape. Is that, is that okay? <laughs> you guys like that? Because our boxes are just better than everybody else's. Yep. Yep. There's as nothing... long as we're like our job titles are loot box consultants, at least, right? Specialists. Yeah. Yes, box specialist. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm... that 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 could be pretty lucrative in the next few years. I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've got studios that only develop like the multiplayer online aspects of like triple a games. Why can't we be like the loot box like studio that just does. I mean, this is going to work. I can feel it. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of loot box, let's talk about loot crate. Uh, If you want to sign up for loot crate, our offer code is lootcrate.com slash weekend rental slash please sponsor us. Right. If you see like a 404 not found page, you just got to get kind of like search around a little bit more. You'll, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. That's there. We promise. Yeah. Or just better. Yeah. Go to loot box and ask them. Why haven't you sponsored weekend rental yet? <laughs> yeah. This is weird. Uh, I think it's a pretty good plan. We should be able to pull it off this time. Uh, what do you think, Abdul? Can you give me a number crunch real quick? Uh, yeah. Give me a sec. I'm coming up with 32 point. Three three uh, repeating, of course. Percentage of survival. Oh, that's a lot better than we usually do. Uh, All right, thumbs up. Ready, guys. Let's or... do this. Leroy Jenkins. Oh my God, he just ran in. And for today, or for this week's episode, I guess we got a topic of World of Warcraft. I have no life. <laughs> <laughs>
guess basically, you know, the initial launch of the game, I honestly didn't really know about this game when it first released. I think I found it, what, in 2006 or seven, I suppose. I think that's yeah. kind of the same time that... You got you me into it in 2007, yep. So the initial release, like, personally, I'm not much for this type of game generally, so I'm kind of surprised that I actually caught on and liked it as much as I did, but... Um, quite a bit to it, just, you know, as far as the actual game, so it's just so much that can be done, in my opinion. Like, even if you don't want to go progress for, you know, end game content and stuff, you got professions to level, and I think that's kind of mainly what we focused on when we first started playing. But Well, and massive continents and villages and races and enemy types. Yeah. So, if we go back into the way, way back machine, like in 2007, um, Justin and I first met in our first jobs working at a lovely retail chain that I won't um, name. But basically, we were both young, early 20s. Um, we had these jobs where we didn't have to be to work until 9 or 10, um, and we could afford to stay up playing this game until, I don't know, wee hours of the morning, uh, five in the morning sometimes on weeknights, and we'd still make it to work. And uh, this, like Justin said, like the an MMO, um, you know, a massively multiplayer online like RPG-type game like this isn't something that appealed to me. And Justin and I were both gamers when we started working together. And I remember making fun of him uh, for playing this game. And just kind of like talking, because I had played EverQuest um, on the PS2 actually, which was a pretty not pleasant experience. And when he explained this game to me, I just kind of gave him shit. And I was like, oh, let me guess, you beat giant rats and like whack spiders with sticks, like super fun. Um, and then he gave me like a, a free trial or something, or you could you could get a free trial. And I started playing this and like, yeah, I mean, just the expansiveness of what you could do in the game and things to explore. Like I instantly hooked. Um, and then, I mean, it's kind of like made us, uh, you know, friends pretty much ever since we, we invested, I don't know, probably as much waking time into world of Warcraft in like 2007 as we did to like our actual real lives. <laughs> probably. That's a fair, I mean, that's a fair <laughs> statement. I think I can remember, like playing till like ten at night, going down to the bar, getting shit faced. Like bar closed at like one or two, coming back and then hopping back, like being like, "You're gonna get on, right?" Like, yeah, "I'm just gonna go to bed." I'm like, "No, you're gonna get on, right?" And then we'd get on and we played till like just drunk as shit till like five or six in the morning, and then still <laughs> went to work. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. Like I've never had, like I've never like this is not a game that I would normally get into, and I've never had a game grab into me like in the way that world of warcraft did it's one of those i loved it so what what is it what is it about that do you think it was like always having like a checklist that you need to do like for me i think it's you know you got your goals that you want to achieve and you're just so close and then 
once you get there, you're like, oh, well, now i got to do this. So then you start doing that. And before you realize it, it's, you know, 5, 6, 7 a.m. <laughs> it's that, <laughs> like, like one more thing. And then, like, you can fuel that. It, and then, like, the added bonus that, like, somebody you actually know is, you're, like, you're adventuring. Like, to me, World of Warcraft wasn't, like, my Torin was running through a game. It was fucking Justin and I took on Crossroads and, like, battled off the fucking Alliance who were attacking the... I mean... I mean, that's the whole thing is like, it's almost like these real world experiences that you have with people in this world that almost feels that real to you. Um, it's just this weird, yeah. And like that sense of progression and that sense of one more thing. And like, I don't know. I mean, that in itself is one thing. And then you add in like just the, the other people playing with you and it just becomes almost gross. <laughs> I mean, with how like involved you get with it. Like, for example, like, I would, I had, I will say, if I had found this game before I started dating my wife, I would be living in my parents' basement, like eating fucking microwave burritos and like 500 pounds by now, probably still playing this game. Like it pulled me, like she pulled me out of it. Like, but I can't imagine, I can't believe she even like stayed with me through like how bad I was hooked into this game. Like I remember. So we were, I mean, again, we were, we hadn't been married. We got married in the end of 2007. Not Justin and I, my wife and I. What? And I, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and I remember, like, it was like a, I mean, so I had a weird retail job, so I didn't get, like, full weekends off. But it was, like, my one night off. Like, it was Saturday night or whatever. I didn't have to work Sunday. And I got, I got off work late, retail job again. And Jill's like, my wife was texting me. She's like, come on out. I'm at the bar with like these people and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, eh, yeah, but World of Warcraft. <laughs> so she's like, no, like texting me throughout the night, throughout the night. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So then I just like instantly, like you, I'd walk in the door, throw everything down, wouldn't even eat, grab two Coors Lights because I was gross and drank Coors Light at the time and just like set up next to the computer, log in, hey. play. It's gross. I'm sorry, Andy. Uh, <laughs> and I so this particular instant was like a wake up call for me because like we were nearing our wedding and like she came back from the bar this particular night like she was drunk obviously that had something to do with it but she was genuinely pissed validly so and <laughs> Justin and I this is voice chat had just been introduced I think well, we were doing and, like, I think or something but yeah 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 we were doing a like I think we were about to go into like some sort of instance where we had like gathered all these people. I don't know. And she just walked in like, this is an old desktop computer. I got the keyboard. I got the mouse, I got the headset. She just fucking like limp arm, like slaps everything off my desk, keyboard, mouse, all of it goes flying against the wall and just like snaps me out. I was like, Holy shit. Like what's happening here? And just starts like screaming at me, like <laughs> threw my headset against the wall. Um, and yeah, I totally deserved it. Like it was bad. And then that was when I was like, wow, this is not, this is not healthy, and I can't explain why I'm disinvested into it, but I, I totally am. It was awkward. <laughs> it was for awkward, Justin, mostly, <laughs> and humiliating for me. <laughs> the best part was when she grabbed the headset and then talked to me. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I'm just like I'm in the background. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Justin. <laughs> uh. Oh, and I think, I think even, uh, Ryan can't come and play right now. And even at our wedding, Justin's uh, girlfriend at the time was apologizing to my wife for Justin introducing me to World of Warcraft. Like, 
<laughs> at the reception. It was pretty hilarious. Uh, okay, so the big like litmus test usually for like how how bad you were in you know deep into World of Warcraft was have you peed in a bottle while playing World of Warcraft? No. No. <laughs> okay. So you weren't that bad. There's there's a lot of people that say that yeah, that's pretty much where you hit the bottom. It told you we were fine. Yeah, we were totally fine. <laughs> In a not fine kind of way. Yeah, I mean, like there's just so much. And you just so much to do and you never have enough time. I can say a little bit about my background, which is it, as much as it is weird that you two got really into this game, it's just as weird that I didn't because I am an RPG guy. I am that guy that wants to build my levels up and stuff like that. And I think it mainly become became uh, out of the name of Warcraft because I was a big fan of World, uh, Warcraft 2 and 3, which are real-time strategy games, not anywhere close to what World of Warcraft is. And, uh, seeing kind of like all the previews and stuff of what that world of Warcraft was going to be, it kind of made me upset, um, that it wasn't going to be anywhere near what I was expecting, but I was optimistic that, Hey, it's an RPG. I'll try it out. I had a friend who ended up getting it. We tried it out and, you know, pretty much every time I tried it out, it just seemed like it was just really tiny fetch quests. You know, somebody says, oh, I need five of these things. So go over in the woods and get five of these things. And it just, it didn't seem like it had a lot of depth, but I think obviously that's where more of the end game stuff comes, right? The raids and stuff well, like that. The beginning quest too, that's all it is, is like the first, probably, I think they what trial up to 20 levels or something. Yeah. Or they, that's what they did do. But when you would do the, you get up to level 20 and then you actually have quests that progress further than go kill 10 of these like you still have those quests but you have other ones too where you have to you know venture into other zones and explore certain areas um then you have like the dungeons too that start what level 15 to 20 ish somewhere in there that a lot of people that start playing don't do because they don't realize that it's there i suppose like i honestly didn't run anything on my first character Probably until I got to, I don't know, mid-40s, I suppose. I was probably upper 40s, and I tried uh, Blackrock Black Rock Depth is the one I tried first, BRD, and that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> that's probably one of the most confusing places in that game. <laughs> but, uh, like, you got the quests for the different dungeons that you can do, so it's... There's actually quite a bit to it, but yeah, the first, like the entry point for it, it's a lot of fetch quests. Yeah, once you get into those, like, explore, like, what's around the next corner type quests that make you travel new places, that's more interesting. I will say, though, that the fetch quest stuff does not die, Um, and that's kind of what finally burnt me out on the game, was, like, with Wrath of the Lynch King. I'm like, sure, I'm in this new area and I'm doing all this stuff and I'm still getting 10 of these and killing 20 of those. And like, that wasn't what I wanted to do to get to the like raids. 
I, I didn't want to. I don't think I ever even got to like level eighty. I think I got close and then quit. Um, I think I got you to expansion. eighty. <laughs> yeah, you did. Because that's right. I came back I, for a little bit and then played a character because you'd taken over my character after I called it quits. Used your character to tank and nax, I think. But yeah. To me, like, I mean, I love hate this game, but like, I think it. I think it peaked for me at like the burning crusade days. Like I think that's when the game was the most enjoyable and like not watered down. And I don't know. There was just a lot to do with that first expansion that made it really fun. Yeah. I, the uh, first expansion, like once you got, cause I think you quit in there for a little bit too in burning. Crusade. I, I did. I quit at the end of burning crusade. Yeah. I got to like, I'm like, I'm going to play Tom level 70. And then I remember like being online and it was like level 70 peace out. And I logged off and it was done. <laughs> Cause like, that's when I started raiding then and actually doing like the end game content is when you weren't on anymore. And that's, that's a whole new, uh, yeah, a whole nother level of addiction, I guess there, <laughs> like just the, uh, if you get a good guild and stuff, and you just spend hours just attempting to kill the same boss over and over again, because yeah. you want to progress. <laughs> I think uh, Burning yeah, Crusade was probably my favorite as far as the actual expansion. Um, Wrath of the Lich King, you know, was close second. I think the lore in Lich King was like really cool, like that part that they added was really neat and like then the they added story. the achievements too so that took over everything too when they added achievements because i became an achievement horror and went through and did as many as i could and then cataclysm was like their attempt at like restructuring the whole game right like they try you know like a beast destroys like the overworld and azeroth and all that stuff yeah, the um, I think that's the one where you could actually fly in the old world. <clears throat> really implemented that, I think. Which is a huge improvement because, like, the fact that mounts <clears throat> for anyone who doesn't play like a flying mount, so you could travel faster, was only available on Outland up till that point, right? So, like, ninety percent of the game you couldn't travel the the fastest method available to you. Oh yeah, Outland and Burning Crusade, or I mean, Burning Crusade and Lich King. You could do flying mounts, and then when Cataclysm came out, they opened it up to the whole world. Yeah. But they they destroyed like some of the favorite areas, like you know you got um, playing on Horde. Crossroads. You got Crossroads and the Barrens, which. That's tragic. <laughs> like Crossroad was like the coolest spot to like hang out for ten levels. And that's kind of like when you talk like vanilla WoW servers now, like that's kind of the before and after, right? Right. Yeah, and there's still people doing that. In fact, Justin, you're still occasionally active on a server that's up to Burning Crusade, right? Yeah. Burning Crusade is the one that I'm on. I also have another one where it's Wrath of the Lich King too, but that I play on, but... I haven't played on either one for a little while because Destiny 2 stole my time. Yeah. 
But and I probably haven't played it since 2009. Maybe was the last time I came back. I came back in for Lynch King. <clears throat> I got excited about it again, and then I just realized some of why I hated it and got back out. But I still, mm. I mean, I mean, I look back fondly. I mean, there's so many memories and like I don't know. It just feels there's something about that that feels very real, more so than any other game. I mean, there are certain games that connect with you in a way that, like, personally feel like they affect you, but that game in particular still... I mean, there's some great, great things, like, besides my wife (laughs) raging on me. I mean, I can remember a Saturday night, Justin and I, like, arranging a pub or a pug group where you just pick up random people, like, fill out a, a dungeon run, and we did that, and Justin and I had been drinking, and it was probably, like, two in the morning, and... We get to the end of this dungeon run. We'd successfully completed it with like these three other strangers. And there was a chest. There's a chest at the end of this thing. And you need someone with lockpicking ability to unlock it so everybody can get the loot and share it. And that was Justin. And Justin's character was just running into a wall. <laughs> Endlessly. <laughs> Justin... <laughs> Justin oh, passed no. out at the end of this like three hour dungeon <laughs> run with these random strangers. And I was like, hold on, everybody. I know I'm in real life. Like, I got this. I'm going to call him. He doesn't answer. He's not picking up. So we just wasted like three hours with these random people. It was pretty hilarious, to be honest. Uh, that's great. <laughs> One of the better uh, and then, moments. Like, there was that other guy too. So this was like early on, like Justin and I, I don't know. It might, yeah. It might've been our first, it was maybe our first sec, first characters. We had this guy we called bag. I think his name was like be aggressive or whatever. We picked him up like early on in like our first run through the game. And he would just hop on and play with us occasionally and run around with us. And like, he was kind of a putz too. Like he would like ninja stuff. So like you'd kill a high level enemy and like run in and take the loot before you could get it. Kind of a like dick. But anyway. Oh wait. So there was loot that was it was an instance on each of your yeah, screen occasionally that could happen with certain what? stuff wow. anything like, that dropped you could be the first one was... to like skin high level characters and yeah like loot that dropped it was open to everybody so you'd have a greed or need feature yeah. and typically when you're in a party you just greed unless you absolutely need it this guy would just need everything <laughs> And he would, like, run over and, like, loot, like, the highest-leveled enemies before you could, like, get, like, certain materials. And and anyway, we're, like, running around with him. And he was, again, he was kind of obnoxious, but, like, we played with him. He was okay. But we'd, like, you know, one-on-one chat. Like, this was still before the video or, like, the, the audio came in or, like, vent was popular. So you'd hit, like, Control-R is to, like, reply to the last person you, like, private messaged. Well, he had <laughs> we invited him to our party, and we're like running around. And then, like some random person is just like bopping around. He like in like we he was an invite to our party, and he just like randomly invites this other dude. So then I control R to reply to Justin. I thought, not realizing that I had last private messaged this bag guy. And I was like, "Derp, my name is Bag. I'm a fucking idiot, and I just invite anyone." Derp, and then like I'm wondering why Justin's not replying. And then, like, two minutes later, this guy's like, dude, I, like, I just play with you guys because, like, you guys know where to go and stuff. I was like, oh, ha, 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 that was a joke. Log off. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy never played with us again. 
Like, I felt uh, so bad. The best part about hilarious. that, too, like, even now, every once in a while, it's just, like, one of those stupid moments. It's like, hey, don't be a bag. And everybody else thinks that we're, you know, douchebag douche or bag. something. But, no, it's, we're talking about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> be aggressive. And if you're listening, feel free Which to, uh, <laughs> feel free to send, a, send us a message or something. Yes. Yeah, how's how's it been going? Be aggressive. How's life? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I mean, I guess that's how that's where I sit on WoW. Like, I mean, it, it, like I, I look back on it fondly. Like, I, I just it's not the game for me anymore. But like, man, I have a lot of great memories there and like lasting friendships out of that deal. So, I mean, I don't know if Justin and I would still be buddies this many years later if we hadn't like started our gaming addiction through that and continued to play games like through the through the years no we wouldn't yeah <laughs> plus i'm kind <laughs> of a douche <laughs> so. it's pretty crazy though like i have so many people that i met through wow that i actually still talk to through you know facebook or even text messages just good friends now like it's kind of crazy people you don't actually know but but you know them because you ran that raid together and you know what i mean yeah well yeah like a bunch of them i spent you know two to three years every day (laughs) six hours a day if not more like do you think that'll ever be replicated again like that type of atmosphere i don't not for me there might be other people that have experiences like that with like like there might be kids now like early 20 kids doing the same thing with destiny 2 but like for me i'll never i don't think i'll ever have a game that pulls me in like that in that way sure yeah i guess in that way for me no um it's possible other games i don't i don't know what could hold as much as what world of warcraft ever did like in the future I still like World of Warcraft is still a huge game. <laughs> oh yeah. Um so I don't Yeah, we're coming up almost twenty years, right? That game came out in two thousand four. Yeah, it came out two thousand four. Oh god, that's sick. Wasn't that two thousand four? That might be. Yeah. At least that sounds about right, yeah. I think it was before Xbox. Yeah, it was November twenty sixty came out. So yeah. And it still's got like at least five million people, right? Something like that. Yeah. It yeah. Was, well, Blizzard said they're going to continue rolling out content through 2012. Like that was their minimum, or not 2012, 2020. 2012 <laughs> happened. Say, uh, yeah. They beat that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I don't know. You think there's anybody new? I'm sure there is, just because they have the promotions, and still you you see advertisements like crazy now that I have TV again. I, I do. Really, they're still putting ads out, huh? Yeah, you still see ads for the expansions and stuff. Well, the what the last one, Legion. Ads were all over the place for that one. I never actually played that one. I I quit in Cataclysm when they did the update for Mists. I had pre-ordered Mist of Pandaria, and they did the the update to get, you know, pre-patch, whatever, be ready for the 
release of it in, I don't know, like a month before it released. And uh, it, whenever I would try to play the game then, it would crash my computer. So I just never, I never actually picked up my pre-order because I only put $5 on it. So the GameStop still has it. <laughs> Better call them. <laughs> I'm sure it's sitting there somewhere. No, um, I, I heard Legion, though, is actually really good for gameplay, but I'm not going to try it. Any idea what the level cap is now? Have they breached it? Uh, 110? 115? I think it's 110. That's disgusting. Huh. I, I'm sure the early ones you just burn through, like, real quick now yeah yeah i'm sure you do i remember going through burning crusade the uh leveling on that so slow um the was it 69 to 70 stupid amount of time i uh my first character i hit 69 i was like i am not quitting until i hit 70 i hit 70 and then i went to work (laughs) <laughs> like oh, i wow. literally spent like eight hours six hours whatever it was to hit 70 and you were five hours late yeah. to work <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm not going to bed till i get this yeah that well that is true though like those last 10 levels were like almost a third of your entire gameplay yeah so have they made it like look better like do you the minimum requirements like update after each one? Yeah, um, I'm not even sure what Legion requires, but when Wrath of the Lich King came out, I had to get a new computer because the one I was playing Burning with Burning Crusade couldn't handle most of the places that you had to go in Wrath. Like I'd load into Dalaran, which is the major city in um, what is it, Northrend? I think it was called. So the new expansion is the the main city that everybody would focus on. You'd load in there. And it would take me about two minutes before I could start seeing people. (laughs) So when I loaded in, I had to turn, because you always loaded in the exact same way when you took the portal. So I, I knew I had to hold right. It was like half a second or whatever and then just push straight forward until I was facing a wall and just like zoomed all the way into the wall so stuff would load otherwise it would crash my computer <laughs> I do that every time and so I ended up getting a new computer because couldn't handle it but yeah level requirements go up each time or like spec requirements do I don't, I don't think any computer I have right now could handle anything that's out now for legion oh that's good though it keeps you away from the crack that is world of warcraft so much fun it's kind of funny how like like mmos are dead Uh, the mmo rpg pc versions are kind of dead like even blizzard tried to make another one and they're like "Ah, it's not gonna happen um and I don't think anybody's really making one anymore. Not that I know of, or on a huge scale anyway. seems like every um, attempt goes but, like free to play. Cause like they just can't do it. Right. Yeah. But they've kind of taken this model and, you know, destiny Two is basically an MMO just on a different genre, you know? 
Yeah. Basically, it's as close yeah. as we're going to get now, like a successful variant of it, I think. Yeah, and as you continue, like, you know, these games as a service type of games that we were talking about earlier, I think a lot of them are going to start going this route, you know, little small expansions, maybe, you know, small content updates on a living, breathing game that they, you know, build. I don't know. I don't think a, you know, subscription monthly fee is viable anymore. Not for a console game. I don't think they could pull that off. That would probably end in a revolt, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Think Maybe if it's good enough. Console could do that. There's only a couple that did that, weren't there, on console? Yeah, didn't Elder Scrolls try that, and then they went free? Yeah. And, and then, then um, there was one before it, too, I can't. Final Fantasy? Did they? Yes. yes. Yeah. It was like a DC Universe one. That one did it for a while, I think, too. Yeah, nobody's pulled it off. <clears throat> I still wait for the day, too, that when they eventually turn World of Warcraft into free-to-play, which probably won't happen until they stop putting out expansions for it. But, like, I mean, as a company who's got, like, these people who have sunk 20 years into a game, like, when the alternative is just simply shut it off and, like, end that world for those people, like, I don't... I think eventually it'll have to move to -to free-to-play where they just, like, look, we're not updating it, we're not, you know, patching it, this is, like, these servers will stay alive, but, you know, here's where it is. I think, like, eventually the game hopefully will reach that status. Right. And it probably wouldn't be even be worth, like, overhauling the business model to really make it as a successful free-to-play game. It's more of, like, a... Right. Well, I mean... This thing is just pretty much as a legacy thing. Here you go. Yeah. And, I mean, they already have, like, paid auctions and stuff in the game, so, like they could probably just keep the lights on and that thing be- taking their cut of like the auction house fees and stuff realistically. Yeah. I don't think that game, like as long as they have, you know, over a million people playing, it'll never, never go to free to play. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of MMOs, MMOs that dreamed of just that number to be start, you know? <laughs> yeah, and we're talking about a game that had, what, like 10 million concurrent subscribers at its peak? I mean, 12 million, maybe? Yeah. Around the Lynch King, Burning Crusade height? I mean, it's insane the amount of draw that a game like this has had. The biggest downturn to me, I guess, was just the changes that they kept doing, and it just made it simpler. Like, back in... Uh, Burning Crusade and Wrath even kind of started, but in BC, you actually had to know your character to play it well. And if you didn't know your character, you more than likely would be kicked from any raids. You have to be able to actually perform as your character and know what you're supposed to do. Not just push one button like they do at the end of Cataclysm, I had actually completely switched my main character, and I played. I think I played Priest mainly then. But there was really only like, a rotation. It was three buttons. That's huh. all you did was 
over and over again. So you think it's because Leroy Jenkins got incredibly popular and everybody wanted to do that, so they had to make it easy? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had to do that just to keep the barrier of entry like there for like newcomers, but it just yeah. kind of like it just kind of like soured the veterans because it's just like, man, like you know, the whole back in my day we used to walk to school through 10 feet of snow uphill both ways. Like, I mean, that's kind of like the sentiment, like I felt as a player was like, man, I had to do all this shit to get there. Now this new person just did it by hitting a level cap and it was gifted to them. You know, it's like, I had to go on this roundabout goose chase to like four different quests and defeat this guy to get my bear form, you know, but now it's just, you got it at level 10, like go to hell. That's dumb. See, my biggest thing was the the whole mount stuff. Like, Originally, what was it like forty? You got your mount. Yeah. Well, and like the price point to buy it, like seemed like, oh my god, that's insane. Yeah, and now, like I'm, I'm sure they probably now start with a mount. Like here, level one, go ride this horse. (laughs) I don't know. It. Some of the enjoyment came from earning it, and like because it was a challenge and the grind, and when you take that away, it just becomes worthless. Yeah, I could see that. It's like anything in life, you know, if you don't have to work for it, does it really hold value? Yep. So what you're saying is uh wow just kind of turned into communism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game for fascists. Uh we boil it down to the the essence. Perfect sense. <laughs> Never thought of it like that, but yeah, that is true. Um, <clears throat> all right, so World of Warcraft, a great Byron burn. I think we've successfully completed episode nine of Weekend Rental. Justin, why don't you take us out? All right, so we got website. Uh, it's going to be www.weekendpodcast.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook. You can find us at Weekend Rental Podcast. You can like us and communicate to us on there. Um, we're also on Twitter. We're uh, at Weekend Rental PC. Uh, you can follow us on there and, again, communicate to us on there. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel. Kind of break up those little segments and upload them on there. If you have time, you can watch them on there. Uh, Weekend Rental Podcast is the channel. You can subscribe to that. Uh, we do have an email. <laughs> Ryan checks our email daily. It's going to be weekendrentalpodcast at gmail.com. One of these uh, days we free. will get an email. So <laughs> send, I'm anxiously waiting. He really likes injury pictures of you know broken bones, stuff like that. Just send that. <laughs> um, you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, go ahead and subscribe on there. Uh, leave a review. Uh, and... As always, be kind, rewind. Role players begin to rejoice. Blizzard is making your dreams come true. For years, players have gone and married their characters in games, and now Blizzard's going to give this to you for real. This is weird.